How are we today? Are we good? Good? Are we warm? Nice. It's very cool. Look over the... Um, Ian's preparing to go to uh, Africa and has about a million messages to put together. So he said, Grant, can you uh, take one of the Sundays for us? So I do apologize. It's Ian's fault, not mine. <laughs> but I've been thinking over time, because I'm not actually interested in just sharing anything. I want to share something that's actually right for people. And so I actually agonize over it. And I was going down a path and thinking, look, is this right? And, and you really, I wrestle with it, to be perfectly honest, and going, look, I really want to speak what's right. And so I'm saying, Lord, you've got to lead me. Uh, Wednesday night, coming home from the gym, uh, Life FM, I was li- there was a song on it. And I only caught part of it, and I thought, that's the song. That's the confirmation that I'm actually on the right track, which was quite good. And got home, I downloaded it, and listened to it. And I just knew it was right, and I know it's going to speak to people here today, and we're going to listen to it later on. But I've been thinking about being strong in the face of fear. How many people would love to go into into caves? How many people just would love that? How many people would actually fear it? I, I love being on top of the earth. But can you imagine what those kids and those divers went through this week in, the, in those circumstances. And I'm sitting at home. I went, I think it was Tuesday night, I think it was. I'm up till 12 at night watching CNN, which is Clinton News Network. <laughs> and, um, it's, um, and I'm riveted because we've got four more to come out in the coach, and I'm just on the edge of my seat just saying, God, come through. And, you, you know, when, if you've been diving, there's a lot of water out there, and, and you are just so surrounded. Well, can you imagine in the dark, and can you imagine, uh, you know, just going by torchlight, holding onto a rail all the way through? And even those divers, you know, said how dangerous it was. You know, in the face of fear, man, I wouldn't want to be one of those guys going in there. Um, sorry, Jonathan, is, is that your son? Sorry? Asher. Asher spoke this morning. My apologies. And Asher was talking about going on a flying fox. Well, about four years ago, Nee and I went with Daniel to Costa Rica. And we're up in the highlands of Costa Rica, and there's some zip lines. Daniel and I going, yeah, and you can imagine what Nee was thinking, uh-uh. Some of these zip lines are 1.3 kilometers long over a huge valley. So they start you off in little bits and pieces and this and that, and Nee's going, I'm not going. So the whole morning, we're in Nee's head, come on, you can do it. The fear on her was huge. Anyway, we got there and she's, and you got all the safety gear and that sort of thing. It, it was very good. But Nee says, I'm only going to go if one of the guides would go with me on every trip. And you heard this little Asian lady screaming all across the valley. It was fantastic. (laughs) But there was one, you got to the very top of the hill, and instead of sitting there, you had the option of taking the whole harness and turning it around and flying across this valley. Now, I was very scared, if I put it in a very polite way. (laughs) 
And I said, I'm going to do it. Well, partway, I tell you what, I'm closing my eyes and I'm going, God, get me to the other side. The fear was huge. And you come down through these uh, trees that's hanging over and the line shoots through and then there's a stop and you hit it and then, and they pull you in. And the knee was just absolutely freaking out. You know, sometimes fear can really cripple us, can't it? There was a lady in the Philippines, her and her husband were missionaries there. And they, they had already had four children, but they were praying for a fifth. They wanted this son to be a preacher. It was just something that they really desired. But she got anemic dysentery, and that, an infection of the intestines, and very serious. She went into a coma and was treated with very strong antibiotics before they discovered that she was pregnant. The doctors urged her to abort the baby, which is quite a major thing, in, actually against the law in the Philippines. And for her own safety, you know, the, me- the medicine had caused irreversible damage to the baby, but she refused to have the abortion based on her Christian faith. And her reason for hope is that would they be praying for a son that would be a preacher. And so while she nearly lost the baby four times, and her and her husband said, God, we're going to have a preacher. Well, the baby, on the 14th of August, 87, she had a healthy baby boy. Absolute miracle. This, um, had they gone ahead with the abortion, the following would not have happened. The youngest son would indeed be a preacher. He now preaches on TV, he preaches in prisons, in hospitals, in the Philippines, and on the sports field. Their young son is an absolute incredible athlete. The University of Florida star quarterback, the first sophomore in US history to be awarded the top award for football for a university player and won the Heisman Trophy. He then went on to play in the NFL, and that's the book that we're studying at group, Tim Tebow. He played for the Denver Broncos and they called him the Mile High Messiah due to the height of the field in the the States. He threw a pass, the final pass, in a playoff game to win the playoff game and had the highs of that. The team got knocked out the week later, but the following year he was cut from the Denver Broncos. Unfortunately, he played for the New York Jets, which is a very sad thing in life if you understand American football. He was then cut from the New York Jets. He's such a great player or athlete, he's now playing pro baseball. But from the highs of winning a game to the lows of being cut, he never stopped preaching or sharing that the Lord Jesus is in control. You know, he may not be well known down here, but he's so famous in America, has such amazing platform. And in the 2010 Super Bowl, you may pay a million dollars for a few seconds on a TV advert. Focus on the Family took out a pro-life advert based around the Tebow story. And it was a huge controversy from the left side of the media in America. But he was standing up for what was right. What would have happened if fear had so gripped the mum's life and the dad that they said, no, we're not going to trust the Lord? Now, that's not in every situation. Please understand that. 
but it's something that that family walked through. So, you, you know, how can, you know, fear can hold us back? And particularly I want to just share around something that, a statement that Ian made last week. What on earth are you doing for heaven's sake? What on earth are you doing for heaven's sake? You know, what are we doing to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ in and around our lives, in our workplaces, the people we meet in life? And so I was originally starting off my message thinking around the life of Gideon because, you, you, you know, this, we, we can just uh, learn so much from other people's lives. And, you know, I just want to take a few simple thoughts from Gideon's life. And I just trust that today you'll be encouraged to trust in the Lord. And then in the song that we play a little bit later, I just want you to reflect and say, God, help me take a step forward. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness upon our lives, that you've so reached out your hand upon our lives, upon our families. And Father, we thank you for where you've brought us to, but we thank you where you're leading us to. And Lord, we ask that you would uh, lead us, that we would be trusting in you, that the challenges we face, that we can overcome with you and do awesome things for you. In Jesus' name. You know, the book of Judges is, a, is quite an interesting book because, you know, here they've had amazing miracles in the past. They've come out of, the, uh, of slavery and that sort of thing. And, you know, the, the, it says in the early chapters of just, uh, Judges that the people did what was right in their own eyes. You know, they just started going down their own little paths and doing what they felt good. And, you know, they forgot the miracles of, of, of past generations, or some people had. You, you know, we, in our family, we want to keep telling our kids what God has done in our lives to bring us to this place. Because sometimes our kids can just see, you know, now. And they don't understand the struggles or the challenges that we face to get there. And, you know, I want you to, you know, pass on to your children what God's done in your lives. I, I know, um, you, you know, uh, Robert and Gary's little boy, Jonathan. How old is he? Seven or eight, is he? Eight. He's, he's in, the, in the kids' church. And he was telling me the other day, there's some conversations that happening in your family. And he's listening to really. And he's and, uh, talking to little Jonathan next door. And he says, yeah, yeah I'm a conservative. Yeah. <laughs> Super confident, eh? I'm a conservative. And then something else is kind of spoken about, yeah, yeah, that's what liberals do. And so, so you can imagine, you know, the conversation that's happening at home and he's picking it up. And, you, you know, the challenge for, for, for those people, you know, there's no fear in an eight-year-old. Really. They, they can do anything, can't they? Yeah, give it to me. I'll tackle him. I'll kick the goal. I'll score the goal. Bad luck about England. <laughs> Let us pray. England's like Lazarus. They come forth. It's a dad joke. It's great. I love it. <laughs> you didn't like that, did you, Peter? In Judges 6, we, we, have, a, we have an account of uh, an angel coming to meet with Gideon. And, you know, like I say, let's, let's have a look at, just get a few thoughts out of Gideon's life. And uh, that we can make a difference in this generation. You, you know, the moment I heard that song the other night, I knew it was going to be right. And, and it's, you know, just talking on fear and things like that. And, but one of the uh, statements in the song is that you're a child of God. 
And you know, for, for if we're going to make a difference, if we're going to do something on earth for heaven's sake, as Ian challenged, challenged us about last week, you know, number one, we've got to remember that you're a child of God. That you are a child of God. We've got to remember it. We've got to, you know, uh, we've got to ponder over that. Think about it. When, in verse uh, Judges 6.12, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Now that wasn't his current reality. He, he was full of fear. He was threshing wheat in the wine press. Now, if you do some study, that's the opposite place you should be doing it. You know, the threshing of wheat, it's the process of loosening the edible part of the grain from the rubbish part of the crop. And it's not to be done in the, in the, uh, uh, down in a hole. It's to be done up where the wind's blowing on the hillside that the wind can blow uh, the rubbish away. And, 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 you know, here he was just so nervous because the enemy, enemy, the Midianites, had been coming in year after year taking their crops. So here he is, uh, you know, cowering away in the side. I understand it. It's not, not necessarily right, but I understand where he was at. Because he didn't have a perspective of who he really was or who the people of Israel were. And so, you, you know, here he is there. And, uh, you know, I was talking to a friend the other day. And um, he was looking over to the other side here at church. And he says, I can see some people, but they weren't clear enough. And he says, I've got a gear a new pair of glasses. And sometimes we've got to get a new pair of glasses. Because sometimes we live our life not understanding the fact that the Lord Jesus is with us, that God's there walking with us. Should have gone to Specsavers. But that will change your life. You see, we look at ourselves through our own, our own eyes, don't we? But God sees us not only as you are now, but what you will become. And the, what he's put in your life, if you would grow it, if you'd foster it, if you'd work at it, it can grow to something amazing. I feel so often that we settle for second best in life. think on that. Sometimes we get so self-focused, and I'm speaking to myself, that we can get so self-focused that actually we take our eyes off what God really wants through our lives. And that one day we're going to stand before him and Jesus will say, what on earth did you do for my sake? Very challenging. And Gideon turned to the Lord in verse 14 and says, uh, the, Lord, uh, uh, the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have, save Israel out of the Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Go in the strength you have. It's not the strength that you're going to go off and get, that you can buy, you can train for, or whatever it is. It is the strength that you have. And often we don't look at the strengths that we do have. 
You know, we have a class in church, 301, that helps you understand who you are, how God's wired you and where you can um, be plugged in. And I encourage you, if you haven't done that, get involved, line up for it. It's going to become, is it 201 today? It was last week. No, of course it was. It was last week. And 301's coming up. I encourage you. You can write that on your communication card. Tell me when 301's coming up and and, uh, the office will let you know. The Lord was saying, Gideon, you've got enough. And often the excuse can be, look, I just don't have enough. I wish I wish I was like Martin. I wish I was like, you know, this person or that person. In the song it says, From your mother's womb, you have chosen me. Psalm 139 says, You've formed me. You covered me in my mother's womb, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, I, I love the call of Jeremiah. I've got it there in your notes, Jeremiah 1. Um, before I form you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am... T- Uh, I am too young, you must go to everyone I send you and say what I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. And the Lord reached out his hand and touched touched my mouth and said to me, I have put words in your mouth that I form you in the womb. I knew you and I sit early and I set you apart. While we're on the topic of womb, big surprise, um, me and I are gonna be grandparents. <laughs> now I know what you're thinking, I'm way too young to be a granddad. No, 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 I know it, I know, I know you're saying that. Shucks. <laughs> the halo, now it's gone. Wait till the little one comes. Yeah, that's a great news, but that little life, we're praying for it already. That it's not just come early, as the, as the possum in the headlights, you're what? But that the Lord's ordained that little life. And that we will pray over that little life before it even arrives that we believe that the Lord will set that little life aside. That that little life will honor the Lord all the days of his life. Mandy's currently in the States for another family um, sister-in-law's wedding. They got a 3D photo and here's the little one inside like this. Little hand on the chin contemplating the issues of life. There we go. But how often do the boundaries of fear restrict us? How often do we look back? Nee looks back now, and will she go on that flying fox again? No. (laughs) 
the Lord answered Gideon, I will be with you. I will strike down the Midianites, leaving none alive. And the Lord would come through. How much more if we would, in our own lives, can we have the Lord walking with us and making a difference? Remember, you're a child of God. Number two, if you want to make a difference on earth, for heaven's sake, then your excuses will rob you of a brighter future. Gideon's reply says, pardon me, Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. Why is it that we are so good, and I'm guilty of this, that we exaggerate our weaknesses and downplay our strengths. Hello? It's a bit quiet. We exaggerate our weaknesses. You know, he, Gideon was actually from a very wealthy family. You know, he says, oh, look, you know, I'm the least. We're not good. My family's this. You know, we've got problems. We support the South African rugby team. We've got issues. But actually, he's from a very wealthy family. If, if anything, he was maybe one of the ones that could do it. Later in that chapter, it's, he goes off to do a task, and he takes 10 of his servants if you've got 10 servants and there'll be plenty left back at home, you come from a very influential place, a very wealthy place. He's just throwing excuses out. And how often do our excuses rob us of what God can do through our lives and move church forward and do something on earth for heaven's sake? So let's don't live full of excuses. There's a guy at work. Uh, I, I work for a skylight company, and we have some installers that go out and install uh, the skylights in people's roofs. And of course, you need a, 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 a sunny day in order to, to do it. So I was talking with one of the installers one day, and he lives up by Wangaparoa, and he says, oh, I, can't, I just can't get out and do the jobs. I've got a job out west today, and it's raining, and I can't do it. What he didn't know is that for the last three hours I've been driving around West Auckland and it was in sunshine. But there was a shower over in Wangaparoa says, oh, nah, can't do that. Now, you might say that's a one-off or that's quite a regular conversation with this gentleman. And then he wonders why sales are not going very good for him. He's full of excuses his glass is half empty. Sometimes you can't tell these people, and he lives less than what it could be for his business. But there are plenty in the people, plenty of people in the Bible that have challenges. They've got legitimate excuses to do amazing things. Jacob was a cheater, Peter a tempter, David had an affair, Noah was drunk. Jonah ran from God. Paul was a murderer. Gideon was insecure. Miriam a gossiper. Martha was a warrior. Thomas a doubter. Sarah was impatient. <laughs> Elijah was moody. Mary Magdalene was a hooker. Moses was, had a stutter. Zacchaeus was short and Abraham was old. Had legitimate excuses. Yet still went on to do something. They could put it aside 
and and uh, miss out on on um, God's best. You know, some of us carry our excuses with us, and I'd love to do something for God, but see, I've got this excuse. And we let that determine us. Martin, if we went for a ride on a bike carrying this out the back, you know, we're holding it to the side and we're trying to cycle. Can you imagine how crazy that would be? God, I would do something for you, but you know I've got this excuse. Oh, I really like my excuse. It's really nice. You know, Ian, I'd do something at church, but I've got this excuse, you know. And God, I, I, you know, I didn't go to the best school. It's really nice, this excuse. But we walk through life with excuses for second best. Because it's comfortable, it's nice. I've had it for 30 years, Ian. It's really nice. If you put too much weight in it, you pay excess baggage. I'm asking you to throw it away. Or at least put it in right perspective. Maybe that's the better, the better thought. Let's put it in right perspective. We all have challenges is what we do with it. Gideon replied in verse 17, it says, I know I have found favor in your eyes. Give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. And so Gideon made an offering and the angel of the Lord that was speaking to him had a rod and out of the rod came fire and consumed this offering. And it's like, wow. And Gideon goes, whoa, you really are an angel. You know, signs today that we can have is that we can go to the scripture and let it speak to us as a sign. We've got friends that speak word of wisdom in our lives. And when you combine those with wisdom, and that's when God can give you a sign to say, hey, you can go and do something. Let God's word so speak to your heart that this is put in right perspective. And that we put it to the side and we go on for God. Last point. If you want to make a difference on earth for heaven's sake, excuses will stop you. Excuses will stop when you have a revelation of Jesus and a relationship with him. You know, when that fire came from the rod of the angel, Gideon says, I realized you're an angel. And the Lord uh, of the, sorry, you're an angel of the Lord. Alas, sovereign Lord, I've seen an angel of the Lord face to face, but the Lord said to him, peace, do not be afraid, you're not going to die. Which is always good when you're going to go into battle. And then he goes through a time of testing where, you know, they were to destroy, um, you can read it through there in chapter 6, they're going to go and destroy an idol of Baal. You know, it was something that the Canaanites worshipped. It was a fertility god. And they went and cut it down. And there was opposition. And, um, and the angel of the Lord said, look, I'm going to be with you. And when we have an encounter with an angel, when you have an encounter with the Lord, 
life changes. Moses had a burning bush encounter. The Apostle Paul on the Damascus Road had an encounter and it changed your life. I had a friend of mine just come to me the other week going, I think I've seen an angel and I'm going, okay, interesting. He starts to share. He says, I woke up one morning. There was an angel on the end of the bed. And the angel said, Martin, go and get me some coffee. Sorry. Music team, why don't you come? You know, when we have... Gowrie, stop laughing, please. It's a lovely angel, eh, Martin? Beauty. You know, when we have an encounter with the Lord... I'm, this song that I heard the other night, I have played it countless times at home. And I walk around and I listen to it and I let the words soak in. And we have to do that with truth from God's word to bring change in our lives. See, Moses and the Apostle Paul had an incredible change in their life that changed a lot of people. It's not that your fears will disappear. It's just that they'll take a rightful place behind your faith. Goes on in that chapter of Gideon where the Midianites are going to come in and attack them. And so he summons all the people to come around, all the Israelites to say, let's go and fight. And in Judges 7 verse 2, God says to Gideon, you've got too many people. Those that are fearful, you can send them home. And 22,000 went home. He says, you've still got too many people. And he really reduced it down to 300 men. And it was the 300 that brought the victory. See, great victories will come to those who put their God in true perspective over their lives and see what he can do. My thoughts today is, is that as we reflect on this song, reflect on the thoughts in Gideon's life, we see some of the other people in Scripture that have really had challenges yet overcome them and gone on. What will you put aside for God to use you. Let's listen to this song, guys. When we play that.
circumstances and it's like you have no clue what to do there is no light no answer to what you see the Bible says let him who walks in the dark and has no light that is speaking to some of you here today you're in the dark you have no clue what to do then it says he is in that situation trust in the name of the Lord and rely on God that is a clear word because the next part is where we fall off the bandwagon. But you who live in your own light, your own cleverness of a solution, your own solution, and warm yourself from your own fires and not rely and not from God, you will live among sorrows. There is a great temptation for all of us when we're in a pickle to rely on our own resourcefulness and grit it out of there. God says, I want you to look to me. I want you to get your light and your direction from me, which is often directly opposed to what the world counsels you, to what your natural reaction is. And that is a word very clearly, and I feel it very strongly today. Let me read it one more time. Let him who walks in the dark and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on God. Don't get impatient. Do not get impatient. That's where we tend to run. But you who live in your own light and warm yourselves from your own fires and not from God will live among sorrows. So you go your own direction. Lean on your own understanding. In the difficulties that you and I encounter, it'll be hard and difficult. But rely on Him. Trust Him. Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for two words, a word of encouragement and a word of correction. Father, you are our everlasting Father, the lover of our souls. You love us like your very own children. We are children of you and we want to warm ourselves by your fire and understand and get revelation in the dark from your word and your spirit. I thank you for this time together, and I thank you for your word, which is incredibly encouraging and uplifting. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.